Hi, this is Ryan Roberts, and welcome to The Millennial Preacher. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope it's both encouraging and challenging in all the right ways. We're excited about today's show, so let's get going. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to be back in the studio today. And actually, today's show is a little bit different. Just as promised, I'm here with my very own sister, Kristen Roberts. How are you, Kristen? good. <laughs> so Kristen has a very interesting story. She has had, if we're honest, some pretty traumatic experiences in her short life. And through those experiences, I believe, she believes, we've talked about it, she, she grew a deeper relationship with God that she may have not had had she experienced some of the things that she's experienced. So we're going to talk about those things. Uh, this is part one of a multi-part episode. So today we're going to do some introductions and also Kristen's just going to start out telling her story in her own words. I don't even know exactly where it's going to go, but we're going to start back pretty much at the beginning and we're going to talk about some things that maybe not everyone knows. You may know a little bit of her story, but odds are you probably don't know the whole thing. This is the first time Kristen is actually publicly telling her entire story. So Kristen, let's just go ahead and start from the very beginning. Let's start at your childhood. Well, I was a very shy child, actually. I um, I had good health, though. I um, wasn't really a sickly child or anything like that. Um, I played mostly well with you. <laughs> you were like my best friend at the time, but we always played together. And you know, I had little um, girlfriends and everything. But like I said, I was very shy but healthy. So. Um, and then it just, you know, as I got older, um, things started to happen actually around 14, I want to say, where um, I started having extreme female pains and um, just knew something was not not right. Um, so I ended up actually having to go to the gynecologist around 14, which is very young, um, that I had to deal with that. Um, my mother had endometriosis when um, she was young, and um, she ended up having a hysterectomy at like 26 years old. So um, I saw the same gynecologist that she had, and by 16, I unfortunately was diagnosed with endometriosis. I had to have my first surgery at 16 as well. Um, they went in and just kind of like laser zap things. Um, and at this time, I was also, you know, dealing with high school, um, boyfriends, stuff like that. And, um, emotionally, I, I wasn't, you know, dealing with it that well. Um, unfortunately, I just fell in, would f fall in love, supposedly, with the, the wrong guys. And, um, at 16 years old, I actually got cheated on. Um, which really affected my self-esteem because I was going through this and not knowing what was going to happen because it can cause infertility and I was worried about those things that I shouldn't have to at that age and um, dealing with, you know, just drama, high school drama that I shouldn't have been dealing with at the same exact time. Um, so I want to just kind of back up just a little bit because I don't think a lot of people that are listening probably know what endometriosis is. 
So kind of tell us a little bit about what that is. And at the same time, the way I remember it, you were a pretty normal person. You know, you were a cheerleader. You had all the supposed right friends, all those sort of things. But let's talk about first, what is endometriosis? Um, It's where the cells develop outside of the uterus, where they're supposed to be on the inside. And they develop all in strange places like it could even be in like your earlobes or your brain or um it's even put girls in the hospital on life support because it is has has went to people's hearts and stuff and like um later on it even went into my um gallbladder and my appendix i also lost that so it is a very um it causes extreme pain you're you're pretty much almost in pain all the time not just during your your period and and during that time it's extremely painful to the point where you know a lot of girls pass out and uh, to me it was it would be extremely painful but with cheerleading and stuff like that I, I just loved it so much that I would continue doing it no matter if I was hurting or or you know dealing with being sick from it it can cause, it can just affect, and like I said, affect the fertility of a, a girl if you don't get it checked and managed. Sure, sure. So. so, you kind of mentioned it, but how did it affect you on the day-to-day? I mean, obviously, you was going to high school. You said it yourself, you're a cheerleader. You were dating. You, you were trying to do all the things that any normal teenager would do. How did it affect your day-to-day having those issues? Right, well, um... It just, honestly, as I got older, it started getting worse and worse. And so when I, w- I would barely, mornings would be really hard to wake up because, you know, I hadn't had medication in me or I hadn't had, like, a heating pad might have been off for a long time. So I would be in, like, ionizing pain to where I'd have to take extremely hot showers to get it to just even try to ease up and I would I would cry just cry in the shower and um I'd have to take pain medication every day in my life I mean Tylenol wouldn't touch it Motrin all those all those things that normal girls could take and it would be fine but this was pain every day this wasn't just you know a week period pain it, it was like everyday pain um, and it would, of course, emotionally affect me because I would be scared to think, oh my gosh, like, I want to be able to have a baby in the future. And is this going to affect, like, am I not going to be able to have one? Like, should, I mean, I feel like I had a time limit, honestly, when it was first going on because I would be in so much pain. I just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to have a hysterectomy at, like, in my teens or like 20 years old and I was not at all ready for that I knew that that was something I absolutely would not do um I just felt like God would honestly cure it because doctors can only go so far and then God would help me through the rest but yeah my days mostly consisted of heating pads and medicines and just you know trying to deal with it and hide it the best I could in all my good days because you would have good days where um, you wouldn't have a flare-up is what it's called and a flare-up can happen anytime even you know to this day I have them every now and then 
um, nowhere near as bad, but I have them. And the flare-up, um, when it was gone, that's when I'd be able to go out and enjoy my life. So, so you talked a little bit about about feeling like you were in love with with different guys at different times, uh, boyfriends. Let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, you were going through a lot of different things as a teenager. You you had this this issue that in some ways you were trying to hide, some ways you were trying to fix the problem any way you knew how, um, but you were trying to do things that everyone else was doing. Let's talk about the boyfriend issue. So I know there's some some rawness there, some tenderness there, but let's talk about that. Well, honestly, um, when I was, my freshman year of high school I had an older guy that was very interested in me and I honest to God did not like him in that way I I, tr- I try to tell everybody and you know everybody was just like give him a chance you know just give him a chance and and me I actually did not want to date like I I didn't and I just kind of you know felt bad to be honest and was like, okay, I'll give him a chance. And and he seemed gen- like he just generally liked me and that he really did, was going to be nice to me. He asked my mom for permission and um, he was best friends with you. And <laughs> I was hoping that, you know, it wouldn't turn out bad. But, um, you know, we, we ended up dating and that's like, my first love is what I consider it, you know, everybody has their first love, whether it was like a stupid first love or, you know, whatever. Um, and then after six months, you know, he wanted to go back to this party lifestyle that I was not into. And, um, you know, it broke my heart cause he was going to parties behind my back and I dealt with that. And that was very, um, I would cry. I started skipping, I, I not skipping school, but I would stay home from school and say that I was sick. But I was really just crying over a guy who really didn't love me, didn't care, um, gave me a promise ring just for absolutely no reason. Um, and then, so I, I've heard that he was going to date someone else. So what did I do? I, one of his best friends, I started dating him because I, I kind of wanted to have somebody, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where I just felt so lonely and so down. And so I started dating one of his best friends. And now that I look back, I truly didn't love him either. The, you know, it was just one of them things where I wanted somebody and I wanted to feel that love and attention. And he also, you know, gave me a promise ring and wanted to marry me and all this stuff. And we dated for like about nine months and then find out he ended up was cheating on me. And it's not that I, I loved him or was like head over heels, but it completely just broke my self-esteem. Like, shattered it and I I cried and cried because I felt ugly I felt you know I have all these um health issues going on in in so early in life and then you're gonna go and and cheat on me for no reason when I've done absolutely nothing wrong like I just 
I didn't understand it. I just, I told him, why not just, you have just broken up with me. Sure, sure. So that was the first two quote-unquote loves. Yes. Um, during that time period, what was your relationship with God like? Did you have one? Do, do you feel like you did? Or, or what was it like during that time? Honest to God, like, I, um, freshman year, um, like I said, I, I was not really, like, a party person the uh, freshman and sophomore year. I tried to actually stay away from it, but it was like, um, my friends who I loved dearly and we were close they I hate to say it they did were a little bit of a bad influence on me and because they were more into like smoking cigarettes or um wanting to drink and stuff and come around me and wanting me to drink with them um so I, I would always in the back of my mind or you know every night I would pray but then sometimes on the weekends I would, you know, go out and do make the wrong decision. But it didn't get to the party stage that I did end up at yet. I didn't end up with the party stage till honestly after high school. Um, so, but I, um, like I said, with God, I think sophomore year, yeah, sophomore year I was uh, growing actually a lot more close to God and, and telling my boyfriend at the time that, you know, I want God first. I don't want to be doing anything wrong or, or anything and and really just trying my best. And it would, I felt like I just always would, would fail him every single time. And I knew in my head, I was like, I would even pray like, God, I know I'm, I'm sinning and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. But it would happen, you know, all like, not all the time, but other times I would sit in and just feel terrible and knew it was wrong, but continue to do it mm -hmm. just, just because, you know. Sure, sure. So you talked a little bit about being on some pretty heavy pain medication, um, dealing with the endometriosis. Um, how did that affect you? Do you feel like that that, that went kind of overboard or... Where, where did that lead you? Where did it start and where did it lead you? Yeah, so um, I am going to go to kind of a little fast forward a little bit because it is more my uh, senior year when things really started getting um, bad health-wise, painful. Um, and then, the, of course, that's when the medicine increases and stuff. So, um well, what happened, like I said, I had to have start having a lot more surgeries with endometriosis where they had to go in and take out my appendix and it was covered in it. And then after that, um, not too long after that, actually, like a couple months, um, I was rushed to the ER and they were like, um, your gallbladder is just completely shut down. We have to do surgery in the morning. So, and that was because of the endometriosis. So they had to deal with that. Um, I also had to, um, one of the hardest things during this time period was um, I ended up having to see an endometriosis specialist in Atlanta. There's like no specialist around here in Gainesville or there wasn't at the time for me. Um, a lot of doctors at the time when I was diagnosed because it was a good bit ago, it doesn't seem like 
when I say it, I'm like, dang, it was a while ago, but um, I went saw a specialist. He was um, he was not very nice at all. Um, we we were concerned that he he was um, not gonna do the best, but he I mean he promised the moon and the stars to us. And my mom and dad, you know, they're like, look, if you can, you know, help our daughter, that's all that matters. So we trusted him to do what you know helped me with the endometriosis pain. So I went under with him. And he, what was supposed to be like a two-hour surgery turned into like a six-hour surgery. And when he was saying all, claiming all these things that my bladder was attached to my uterus and my ovary and all this stuff. And he had to detach it. And it was just, I mean, absolutely horrible. And he was not very nice at all. So I, my mom and dad were like, no, we, we need to see someone else now. Um, so after I kind of, I was trying to heal. And actually, that's when my gallbladder actually went bad, was after his procedure. And so we finally, thank God, found this new, this new specialist. And he was super sweet. He was... Um, willing to do go in and look and it was really hard though because he told me that I probably should have my right ovary removed and to me I was terrified because um, like most people who don't know and I'm going to clear that up right now okay ladies if you just have one ovary you still have the chance of getting pregnant if the same as if someone has two ovaries. So please don't panic or think that you can't try or get pregnant just because you have one because I only have one. And plus you have God and God it does miracles every day. So anyways, um, but it was hard. I, did, I didn't realize that until he told me. And I'm like, at this point, I'm 18, year, 18, 19 years old dealing with this. So being, you know, in that age and, and having to worry about, you know, how is my future husband going to feel? How are people going to feel about, you know, oh, she just has one ovary or whatever. But I learned a lot more about it. I'm a huge advocate for it. And I just want anyone anyone suffering with endo um it is emotionally and physically so draining and so hard um but it came with um a lot of issues afterwards because there's no cure but i do believe jesus has completely helped me i mean he has miraculously helped me because i used to be able to wear it like like I told Ryan, I, I could barely get out of bed or, or move, and every day was horrible. And I know that he has seen me cry and just be miserable. And now it's just I have a flare-up every now and then. Um, but one thing I definitely do want to warn young girls about is I also had to try before I went to the specialist. The gynecologist here want to want to try you on all these different things and and mess with you and that's one thing I want to really get across is um, just 
you know, your heart's going to tell you and pray, 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 pray about what God feels you, which path you need, which birth control you need, which, um, which way you want to go, physical therapy, um, you know, however you want to do it, acupuncture, there are so many ways to help this, but do not, I absolutely say, do not get the Lupron shot. Um, I went and got it, and it has all these horrible side effects that it could come with, and I unfortunately got all the side effects, and as Ryan mentioned, you know, what, uh, with the medications, I had to have Xanax for anxiety, um, Percocet for the pain, Ambien for sleep, and there was a, another medication as well because of how bad the side effects were. And in my life, I've never had really anxiety. Definitely not insomnia. I used to sleep like crazy. And um, it, it made me gain more weight. Um, and like I said, you know, I cheered. I, I stayed pretty fit, you know, and, and healthy the best, you know, I can. But um, so the medicine started, you know, really affecting me at, at 19. So around that age, um, my bladder started acting up really bad. And um, what it was like a year of my bladder completely going into these horrible spasms. Um, I was having like horrific pain there now. And we, we didn't know what to do. We were having to go to the hospital um, literally like every weekend. So, I mean, it got to the point where I was just, I couldn't even urinate at this point. Um, and it was, cat being cat, it was excruciating. I remember it really took a toll on me. And even now, it's very hard to think about all that that I went through. Having my mom have to gasp me while I'm screaming in pain, and um, nobody could figure it out for a year. For a year, I suffered in the hospital, being accused of stuff, and it just was a horrible, horrible time for me. Especially with the medical staff, because they would just, some of them would be just so mean to me and act like that I was just there to like have like like get drugs or you know have medication through me, and it was not that. And I remember I would just beg them to please figure it out what was going on, because I didn't want to live like that at all. So finally we went to Atlanta and we found this specialist and she's just, she's an angel. Cause she, um, she went and she found out I had IC, which is interstitial cystitis. It's like you have a constant bladder infection nonstop and it, it is very painful. Um, 
It also, um, bladder spasms feel like you're, um, just passing constantly kidney stones just hitting all over and moving and just, um, I mean, all at the same time. Not to mention I'm dealing still with the endometriosis issues. The, um, the ovary being removed really helped and, you know, that pain did become manageable and, you know, I was I've been pretty okay. I was okay and and then this this pops up and no one in my family has had anything like this just just my mom with kidney stones but no one's in my family has has anything like this at all and it I mean she went in and, and she got a biopsy and she also saw my bladder and she couldn't believe it she said it looked like a seven-year-old woman because the ripples were just so bad from the spasms. So, um, she, uh, she told me I had a severe case of that and that I had bladder spasms and, um, they had to put me on the right medications for it, you know, to control the spasms and, um, just keep everything calm and, um, so now to this day, finally, um, it was some trial and error, but it, it, it got better. I mean, it just, it got better, and I fully believe that that was God, because now, today, you see me, and I'm not hurting with endo all the time. I'm barely hurting. I barely have a bladder spasm, maybe once every six months. And that is like, how does that happen? Not by a doctor, how does that happen? Hi guys, thanks for listening to The Millennial Preacher. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I want to take just a moment to say thank you, and I hope that you share this on all of your social media platforms. Also, you can find me and The Millennial Preacher on Facebook and on Instagram. Also, I'm very excited to let you know that The Millennial Preacher Podcast is now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and on Stitcher. So be sure to subscribe on your favorite way to listen and share with everyone you know. Now let's get right back into today's episode. So at this point, Kristen, you're 19 years old. Um, you've dealt with the bladder issue. You've dealt with endometriosis. You've dealt with kind of your first loves. So we talked about you dealt with the peer pressure. So now you're out of high school. Um, you think life is going to start heading in the right direction. Let's pick up at that place. 19 out of high school. Where were you at in that place? Yeah, no, I, um, I had my mind set that I was going to be a nurse. Um, I attended school. Um, I, I went for three years actually, but I, I did change my major to, um, I think two different times I changed it. Um, but now I'm still a little indecisive again, but I know definitely something with medical. Um, and I, I, I love all that, you know, I am very interested in helping the broken and helping those that are, are hurt. Um, 
So at this point, I was going to Bible study. I was um, feeling, you know, good and everything, and um, I just so happened met the very, one of the worst people um, at the Bible study that I was attending, and um, it turned into my life was chaos, and I, I regret it more than anything in the world. Um, I thought he was the best guy ever. I, f I mean, I thought I was in love before, but nothing like this. And um, he, he, I ended up doing stuff I didn't promise myself, not just my family, that I ever would. And, you know, it, it didn't just affect me. It affected my family, and it affected my friends. And, you know, everybody's telling me, leave this guy, leave this guy. And I should have way earlier had left him, but, um, I just kept giving him chances. It was like, I'm one of those people where I was, I'm totally different now, but where, okay, there's gotta be, there's some good in them. There's some good in them. So I, if I could just pull it out and, you know, change, but then I'm like, you can't change someone who doesn't want to change. You can't force it. They have to want to do it. They have to, you know. So, I would be self-medicating. I was on pain medication, very high, but a lot. I would get, like, 200 at a time of, of the bottle, and I would just take them, you know. Yes, I did hurt. I have, I have legitimate reasons to have medication. I want that to be known that I do have reasons. But it also emotionally not like numb me. It just made me very happy and made me think like things will be okay. Um, so of course I took them. You know, I wanted to feel happy. I wanted to. I want to feel love. I just I didn't want to let him go. But um, well, what what really hurt me was. Me and him were on and off, and I, I started to go on a date with this guy. Only had two double dates with the guy. Only two. And, you know, I, I did ask him, you know, said, Oh, you can come over to my house. Everybody's home. Family's home. Um, we'll go chill in my room and watch a movie. Um, you know, so that, and then we hung out that time. But after that... Um, one time, the the last time, um, he wanted to come over, and he was getting off work, and, and it was like 6 in the morning. He's like, can I come over? And I'm like, I was just like, let, watch a movie. And I was fine with that because I was like, look, I'm going to go out to sleep, but, you know, if you want to watch a movie and just kind of hang out, that's fine. Um, I had sleeping medication on my nightstand. Not thinking that, you know, anybody would steal it. But apparently I was wrong. Um, so he, um, he must have put it in my cup or something because I ended up, um, being raped by this man. Boy, um, actually, piece of trash <laughs> is another way that I 
say it in my own bed, in my own room, in my own house, with my family inside. I didn't know I woke up for like a second. And I went back out. And then the next day, I just, I didn't even know what happened. And I know that I, I didn't take, I had just got a refill of my medicine and literally 10 of them were missing. So I have no idea what he did. And then a couple months ago, he tried to reach out to me and tell me he was sorry. And I still haven't forgiven him for that. And I don't know when I'll be able to. But I think he's a horrible person. And I can't believe that he doesn't care. And I've even heard before a lot of people have said He's done very uncomfortable things to other girls. And it's just a shame, you know, he's not in trouble. So, after that, of course, I medicated even more. I took as much, I would take as much as I could to feel happy and not think about it. And not worry about it, I wasn't even going to tell my family. But I told my mom a couple days later, and then I got her to tell my dad and brother a week later. And I just felt so horrible. And I know so many girls who are ashamed so please don't be ashamed because it's not your fault you're the victim and no girl no girl should be ashamed of that no type of sexual assault is okay ever even if it's your boyfriend and you say no and he still continues don't allow it but i i mean I, and then when i God, I talked more about it to other people and now like I said I'm still dealing with it and I, I can't it was a couple years ago I, I guess now but but yeah I, it definitely had me medicated you know I, I definitely I, I needed something to just not not remember that I try not to um, and, but went going to church and, and being close and I've told a lot of church people about it and you know I know I have to forgive him for me I, I know that and that's what I'm struggling so bad with is doing that but I will I, I know I will one day I know I will and I know I'll be able to help other young girls there that have been there, done that. Absolutely, and you're helping some right now just by telling the story. So, to backtrack just a little bit, after 
that happened, you, you already were on, like you said, you were on heavy pain medications, and then at this point, you started taking extras. Um, would you say that at this point you developed an addiction? Yeah, I had built, built an addiction with my last boyfriend. Because he would literally, um, he was doing another drug um, known as Gucci. And I didn't like it, and he knew I didn't like it. So he would go around literally searching for pills to get me high so that I wouldn't be mad at him if he smoked that. Um, I mean, our relationship was just so very toxic because it, it did have a lot to do with, you know, um, some drinking and, and um, mostly like pills and stuff. And he would even, he would snort pills all the time, even if they weren't pain pills necessarily. But yeah, I don't know, my addiction was definitely with, when I was with him around. 19 years old, definitely. So during that time period, what was your relationship with God like at that point? Oh, I was, I was just so hurt, like so shattered because I was like, God, like I, I tried, I was going to a Bible study and meet this guy and I'm thinking it's like, a fairy tale, like I met my Prince Charming through this, and the, you know, this was it, and uh, amazing, and I would try toward the end, beg him to go to church, because I did, honestly, I finally realized I needed to change my life, because, um, I started just seeing everything go down, I just saw you know, him smoking um, some horrible things. And if you didn't have it, I saw horrible withdrawal. Um, the same thing with some other people involved. I just, I couldn't take it. And I was just like, God, I need you. And I, I wrote my name down to be baptized. And I knew right then that my life needs to be changed and I cannot be around him even though you know he he can threaten me all he wants which is what ended up happening um the the cops did end up unfortunately having to get involved and he's not around me and i don't want him around me um but but with god i i tried i tried to even get him i tried i would beg his family it just wouldn't work out. But me, I stepped up and I left that situation. So at this point now, we've got about six minutes left in part one. You, you've you left that situation. Do you feel like at that point you got better, you got worse, you stayed the same? Where do you feel like you were at with your addiction, with with how you were living and how life was going? Well, to be honest, um, I was very, I was very broken. This, this relationship tore me 
completely. I mean, it, it broke everything inside of me, and I just didn't understand. I felt like God was um, just always hurting me, heartbreak-wise. Like, every guy, it was just, they, they, it was them. I, and I was wondering what was wrong with me. Like, what, am I not pretty enough, or good enough, or what, what is wrong with me? And, and God, but God, you know, he, he changed, he changed my perspective. And, um, and it was in a very traumatic way. And I just want to say that it just completely... It, it rocked my world, and by 21, I um, ended up on life support. And that is where we, where I began to learn and mature. Absolutely. That, that, was the, that will be the journey that I will share. Absolutely. So, guys, you heard it here. That was part one with Kristen Roberts. Part two, we'll talk about next week. In part two, she's going to pick right up where we left off, and we're going to talk about this life support. That's the big piece that I feel like everyone needs to know, but we had to get through some of this stuff. Kristen, thank you so much for being open, being honest. You're helping you. young women. You're helping young men. You're helping all of us to understand how to deal with these situations a little bit better. So we've got about three minutes. Will you pray for us real quick? Yes. Dear God, I pray for um, everyone, Lord. I pray that they have a strong relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I pray that they just they lead God. They un, they know where to go. You help them, Lord. You you have the gifts that you, you know you're giving them, and I pray that they go around and use it, and just be with those that are needed with with addictions or sickness or um, diseases or or can't can't do the things that they want to do lord I, I pray that um everybody just gets closer to you lord jesus and you help us spread your love the most you can lord jesus thank you god we love you amen amen part two next week right here on the millennial preacher if you haven't heard it from anyone else this week know that we love you see you later you just listened to the millennial preacher podcast I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope that you'll listen to us again next week and hit that subscribe button. You can find new episodes every weekend right here at The Millennial Preacher. Until then, we'll see you later.